Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, We hear these words, and we normally like them. Who doesn't like the call of, Come to me, and I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your souls? And perhaps you are feeling overburdened right now with all the things going on in the world, or perhaps you're doing fine. But regardless of your station in life, these words have impact. But they often have more impact than we immediately hear. For most of these words are quotations. They are shorthand for larger ideas. You know, and one might rightly ask, did the people of God catch the shorthand? Well, let me give you a few lines and see if you catch the shorthand. Four score and seven years ago. Now, I don't even need to say the rest, right? Probably all know we're, we're starting Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. And now let me give you this one, a little bit more appropriate for today. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I really could have just stopped with, we hold these truths. And we all would have known we're talking about the Declaration of Independence. And, And we don't have to be serious all the time, right? We could do this basic shorthand with a whole host of ideas. For whatever reason, my kids all like the song right now. Uh, well, sort of date myself and date some of you in the crowd. Uh, we all live in a yellow submarine. Yeah, very good. Some of you got it. Um, and the reality is we could do this all day long with lines that you didn't even know you knew. And when Jesus is quoting some of the more important parts of the Old Testament, which was a literature book, history book, grammar book, poetry book, and more for God's people, yes, they, they, they caught the shorthand. And so when we hear that line, I will give you rest... It's used, of course, several places throughout the Old Testament, but the place with perhaps the most punch is Exodus 33, where they are commanded to leave Mount Sinai right after the golden calf. And Moses wants to make sure that God is still with them as they depart. And the Lord responds, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then again, a little bit later, when Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. An idea that's spoken throughout the Old Testament in Isaiah and in countless other books, but, but then again, Jeremiah sort of rises to the surface where the Lord says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient past where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not. Very, very sad passage in Jeremiah. And indeed, almost every line from this section, parts and pieces, can be found and quoted in an earlier part of the Bible. And we might ask, what then does this mean, if they were catching this shorthand? What is Jesus trying to say to us? Is he like a high school student who's not quoting their sources, just hoping we don't plug this stuff into Google and find out where he got it from? And of course not, right? Christ knows the Old Testament. What he is saying is, that the same God who was with his people in the wilderness, who has indeed been with his people through the whole Old Testament, those ancient paths, is now present right here for God's people, for you. Not in the prophet's voice, not in a word, not in a description, 
but right here, in flesh and blood, in Jesus, come to me. And sometimes people will say, you'll hear it from time to time, that Jesus never really claimed to be truly God. Well, he claims it here about half a dozen times in three sentences. For when one says that he's the same God who's been calling people for the entire Old Testament, and now come to me, and I'll give you rest, because I'm right here before you and you're in the very flesh, you know, that's a pretty clear divine claim. You know, just so you kind of have that in case anybody ever brings that up to you. Uh, Jehovah Witness or what the like. But this idea of Christ entering the story is what we hear in our reading for today. And we heard it loud and clear in the Old Testament reading of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous in having salvation is he. And of course, it's one of those more beautiful texts that, that we hear and we say, and it makes it into our reading several times throughout the year. But right before this Old Testament text, they, they didn't include it because they, they can't include everything. But they go into a description of the destruction of Tyre and Sidon in other ancient world places. And do you know what happened to these ancient world cities of Tyre and Sidon and the great cities of the Philistines and all these places that make such a big mark in the Old Testament account? Well, well Tyre is a great example. You can still find it, or at least its ruins. It's not what it once was, of course. It's located in Lebanon. It was the great port city for the Phoenicians. And it was really two cities. You had the mainland part, and then you had this island that was entirely walled. And they felt because they had control of the sea and this, this little these massive fortress that just sort of rose out of the sea, that they really couldn't be conquered. They felt as secure as a human society could feel. And they were besieged by the Babylonians for 13 years. And in the end, they, they survived it. And the accounts of the Babylonian soldiers were going bald, actually, because their, their helmets were rubbing their hair off because they always had to be in full armor all the time. And so it was a very wearisome thing for them. And then in the midst of their, we can survive anything, right? This guy named Alexander comes on the scene. And he also asked them to surrender. And they said no. And so he literally extended the coast out to the island through a causeway and totally destroyed the city. He also totally wiped out the Philistines as they were. In fact, almost every ancient world people group pretty much ceased to be what they were before after these great empires sort of passed through. Because this is what happens. People can build great fortresses and empires, but they do not endure forever. Even the city of Rome, the eternal city, has gone through countless rebuilds in its 2,700-year history because, as Zechariah says, the chariot, the war horse, the battle bow, the tank, the jet, the cruiser, they don't endure. They are here for a season and then gone. But while many of you at this moment might be challenged to place your finger on the map where the great ancient world cities once were, most of you can probably find Jerusalem. And why? Because behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. For Christ actually has entered the story. 
has come in the flesh. He has come into the flesh to say, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this message has not just stayed in Jerusalem, but it has expanded out from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And what this means is that one sea is the Mediterranean, and so it's everything that that sea touches. The other sea is the Red Sea, and so that means down out through that body of water, eventually to India. And then you have the river, which is the Nile, and so you just start going south. And then the ends of the earth, that's the Asian steppes and, and beyond. And this is why the Jerusalem cross is always that compass with four crosses on all the four points. And, and while you know, we know full well that there are some real challenges in our world, this message about the blood of the covenant, you know, the, the cross of Christ, the freedom and rescue from that waterless pit of, of death and hell. This being given more forgiveness than we can ever sin, that, that double the reward, you know, more grace than we can ever imagine. You know, it has had impact upon this world. This message has endured as the best things of humanity have decayed and collapsed and stand as pillars or armless statues in cold museums. And so what does this mean as we live in our current American world, uh, blessed in, in countless ways? What this means is that, that we're still living, just like the people of God have always been, in two worlds. We have the stuff of the sinful flesh. We have all our weaknesses, our prejudices, our favorites and our favoritisms. We all have them in some way or another. And, and what does Paul say? We struggle against them. The good I wish to do, I do not do. The evil I do not wish to do, I, I keep on doing. And, and Paul even summarizes it all by saying, I, I have the desire to do what is right. And you know, I use a harmless example. You know, I, I know I shouldn't eat too many cookies. I understand this on an intrinsic, very clear level. And maybe in my strong moments, right, I, I wish to not eat, you know, so many cookies. But those strong moments are few and far in between. And we just kind of dive right back into our normal patterns of life. And of course, this is a harmless example, right? The deeper the issues become, the more serious, the harder they are to parse, and the more difficult and elusive the solutions. And we, we look at our world and our country and we say, look at all the blessings that we have. Look, look at all the people who have struggled, bled, and died to secure these blessings. But then we, we pan a little bit larger and we say, but look at all the difficulties. And, and every human being, in one way or another, is, is part of those struggles. And it's easy to say, just like Paul says, wretched person that we are, who will deliver us from these struggles that we all face that go by a multiplicity of different names? And today we are given, truly, and really, the only one answer. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden with the cares and struggles and concerns and anxieties and fears of this world, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we should rightly rejoice in the blessings of our country. 
But as we see, some of the difficulties this year, uh, perhaps more clearly than previous years, we are blessedly led to the truth that there is really only one who can deliver and save and give rest. And it is the one who has entered our story, humble and lowly, riding upon a donkey, who simply bids us come unto him, as he has through all human history. And so in light of our country and our Lord, we truly only have one thing to say on this July 5th Sunday. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in his name we pray, amen.